welcome okay. back. Oh, welcome back. Welcome back to Talkie Talk, guys. Today we have a special edition sleepy episode for you. What are you drinking? San Pellegrino. That looks like a V8. It's a blood orange. Uh, it's a beverage, sparkling beverage. Today's sponsor to... is San Pellegrino. Thank you, San Pellegrino. I'm also drinking Polar Seltzer, our second sponsor. We're big seltzer guys. No, fuck seltzer. Don't drink water. Fuck seltzer. Drink seltzer water. Like it's just gross. Some of it's good. It is, what is, like what is San waters. Pellegrino? What do you what do you think San Pellegrino is? It's a fruit soda. That is so sad. Fruit soda. Seltzer is just fruit soda with more nuanced flavors. It's almost like you know. Oh, so I love my less. coffee with cream and sugar in it. It's like this if you poured a mm. gallon of water into it and then took mm. a small sip. Anyway, this week. Go on. <laughs> this week we watched The Wicker Man, the 1973 version, oh, written by. Order. Can you let me do my my little thing, Tyler? Your thing. This it's is my thing. Yeah. Thing? Did you prepare? Did you prepare anything? Did you write a we watched... for this intro? This better not be written. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Today, watched the 1973 Wicker Man, written by Anthony Schaefer and directed by Robin Hardy. Oh, wow. And we watched the 2002 Minority Report, written by Scott Frank and directed by Steven Spielberg, which I didn't know until I saw the credits. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. I did not watch the credits. Oh, because you're not a real fan of cinema yeah i really really judge a movie by how they scroll words on a screen if you don't sit through the credits you're a fucking idiot make the credits interesting that's, how about that that's the Give rule. Me an after credits scene like spy kids one yeah you gotta splice in the bloopers exactly yes <laughs> spy kids one has the best beat marvel by a decade you know what marvel never measured up i'm gonna say that right now yeah kids anyway. shows from the 90s were good but new ones are bad that's how i see it I don't know. I don't watch kids shows anymore. I've evolved to watch adult films. Like Avatar. I wouldn't know. I watch Avatar the blue thing, not the airbender. I feel like 10 years from now, because it's going to be at least 30 years until Avatar 2 releases, I think Avatar 1 will just feel like this mass hysteria fever dream that nobody can like 100% agree on. I think that's still how it feels. (laughs) It's going to be even worse in 10 years though. Yeah. We'll see if that movie ever comes out. There's like five of them or something. I think I, he's just lying. I think he's just straight up lying. I think James Cameron is knows he has like maybe 10 good years left on this earth and he just bankrolled or he, he had a bunch of studios bankroll his deep sea diving. <laughs> like, oh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. That's yeah, fuck sick. it. <laughs> I think that's dope. Um, um, so you want to start with some general thoughts? Yeah, general thoughts on Wicker Man. I liked it. I liked it too. General thoughts on, uh, for fucking forgetting the name, Minority Report. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to? What do you want to start with? Um. Let's start with. I don't know. You pick. I'll have my guest pick today. Minority Report first. So. Yeah. Sure. I watched it yesterday. I think. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise running, and that was his <laughs> yeah. defining character trait. So the rest of it doesn't really matter to me. It's very much an act, like a, a Tom Cruise action movie, which, yeah, which yeah. I'm already sold on. And then yeah. on the other half of it too, it is like pretty gorgeous, except for the like kind of weird CGI. But like 
yeah, the actual like sets and like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just bad. gonna be aged. Yeah, but I yeah. thought it looked fantastic. Um, I thought that the twist completely caught me by surprise. Completely got me. Um, up until up until the scene that um, Colin Farrell's character, um, like when he started that scene, he's like, "I think we have the wrong guy." It was like a huge yeah. shift, and I was like, "Oh yeah. shit, this is like." And then as the conversation goes on, you start to figure out that it's um, the old man. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, thought that was clever. Is that they like gave you, like you end the last scene, you're like, "All right, he fucking set him up. It yeah. was definitely him." And then you know, like the other officer is like, "Well." why would all this evidence be out here? And Colin Farrell's character is just like, oh, it's just like an orgy of evidence, like case closed. And the next scene, you can see that it, that actually like implanted a seed of doubt, which is kind of yeah. cool. I thought yeah. it was clever. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, the way Colin Farrell's character is set up, he like immediately gives off like bad guy vibes. It, it definitely had like more depth, I think, than like a normal Tom Cruise action movie has in terms of like thematic stuff, I think. But yeah, I agree. It, I think in terms of other like dystopian movies and stuff that like also have things to say, I think this sometimes feels more like the idea of it is like cooler than the execution of it sometimes. Like by the end of it, I didn't feel like I was getting any more like thought provoking stuff than I had just from the general idea that was established in the first act. Like, like I didn't feel like it necessarily went anywhere crazy interesting past like what the general setup was but i did like that like they like it definitely felt like it, it successfully was like a noir thing and that used that cool setup like the cool setting to make a really interesting plot point with that twist that like the fact that yeah like it, it sets up that whole you yeah. know like uh, the, the I, system I like, being stacked against him and the corruption and like yeah it's and this I, like I, deep secret that he has to figure out so it definitely works yeah. in that sense I, yeah, I, I just, I like that the noir elements, especially with like the whole, like, this goes all the way to the top thing. Like, yeah. it didn't feel just like it was that classic 50s structure, but like with a film of like near future over it, it felt like they kind of influenced each other with the way that the like noir um, conspiracy was literally like embedded in the like the setting basically like everything evolved from the precogs and i thought that was an interesting way to kind of keep it cohesive yeah i agree with that yeah it definitely I, I think there are some movies that feel like yeah like you're saying it's like okay this is just noir but through you know the lens of like a future setting but this yeah. definitely was like just using elements both in terms of like plot and stylistically too like the very high key lighting the huge use of shadows um yeah it worked it worked well because it took elements without like just seeming like okay we're just making a noir movie in in the future yeah yeah like, it wasn't just people it. it wasn't just people like sh chasing each other in futuristic cars although that did happen but it yeah, was I loved it. much more interesting <laughs> yeah dude when he's yeah. in the fucking factory and he's yeah. in the car and then just <laughs> drives out the fucking door <laughs> yeah, yeah so funny yeah that's so great um the what do you think about like the, the his whole thing with like the kid like his whole kind of crux is that he misses his son um i don't know it, it i did feel like sort of like you're saying i don't think this movie delved into the stuff it was talking about too much because like at first he's an addict and like that's it seems yeah. like it's gonna be set up as a big thing but then yeah and then it just 
like he he uses it like one other time i think after he gets his like eyeballs switched out but then i don't if i'm remembering correctly i don't think he uses it after that and so it's like kind of just dropped that yeah um, and yeah keep going and Sorry. with with his son i just like i think it sort of made sense but yeah it almost could have been anything like i think they could have made it something else that would fit yeah. with fit with the theme more of like you know not like it could have been prevented if he knew which like is true because he was like under the water but he was like under the water for like five seconds it's like how much yeah time? i was thinking that too you know and i don't know there's um i think just the way it was presented really took me out of it a little bit just in that like the way that like the whole narrative kind of like stops for the flashback and i feel like i really it really kind of like killed some of the momentum for me to be like i don't feel like i learned anything new from this scene besides this reincorporation of like the being underwater thing which like thematically didn't feel that like big yeah yeah no i i feel you there wasn't i feel like there's like rarely needs for flashbacks i mean the flashbacks fit into the noir yeah, that's another big noir trope obviously but yeah i mean i think it could have been done better like yeah I, I, we already knew that he lost his son and that it was possibly yeah. his fault for some reason yeah the the way that he's like interacting with that hologram simulation of his kid is like a way better way of doing that and they they already did that in oh the first yeah time. and plus like you have colin farrell's character in, like interrogating the wife and he's like, you know, you blame him for it. And she was like, well, no, it's not his fault. Like, he couldn't have stopped it. But it was clear that he was with, he was the one who was with the son. So it's, it was really good ways to convey the, the information that didn't feel like it was just, like, being told to you, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they told it to you anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with flashbacks as long as they, like do something a little extra or like flow well but like i i do feel like sometimes they can be really cheap and and this one just the way it really felt just like it jutted right into everything else that was going on at the time and didn't really necessarily reconnect with the narrative much after that i was like like i get i get that his kid's dead i don't need to see his kid more to understand like how bad it is to lose a kid like that sounds pretty shitty like yeah like you could already affects his character yeah like the fact that he's like you know using these like drug inhalers to get high and then like interact with the holograms is like so yeah. good like at that yeah. you know like that shows how devastating it is for that character so like i yeah. already believed that that was driving him you know yeah yeah i felt like that was a little odd um and just like how quickly he came out of the water too i was like okay it was <laughs> Yeah, like he wasn't under there for long. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking that like it maybe did like go all the way to the top, including with his kid too, because I was like, that's too clean. And then they like kind of didn't resolve really what happened to him so much. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I came away from it thinking that like, I also thought that they were going to address it, but I, I think it's still possible that he took his kid. No, because they figure out that like it doesn't like it doesn't add up, you know. And yeah. I, I I'm forgetting, right? I I think there is like some point where he acknowledges uh, like you know you wouldn't have done this if if you hadn't lost your kid. And the fact that he kills himself, I feel like it just kind of leaves it open. Like he's never gonna get that closure now because he doesn't know one way or the other. Which yeah. I thought was cool. Yeah, I did think. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting way um, that that scene went with the with the main bad guy um, ending up like killing himself to kind of like serve his vision and stuff. But then I also was like, why would you shoot yourself in the heart? <laughs> like, why would you shoot yourself in the torso if you really wanted to die? 
Like, who yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. I thought it was funny. But yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was the whole idea of the minority report was cool because I thought that as I was like watching it, I was like, I, I thought it was interesting because like, yeah, how do you, how is the story going to like in a, in a way that is like earned and interesting? Like, how is it going to make this murder um, possible, like culminate when we know that like this guy really isn't the kind of guy who would kill people. And like, he's seen very clearly killing this guy. And then I was, I was pretty happy with like how they did it and i also like that they oh, just yeah. i thought that was a great it's, moment they yeah like the, the guy was like doing it for his family too which is great and i loved i don't know why i loved it but i loved that the guy in the sunglasses looking in is like a billboard coming out of oh the, yeah i thought that was so sick because they're trying to like identify the guy and it's yeah, just yeah, the yeah. billboard like that's so yeah, yeah. no i love that too yeah because it's because um, like when you see it in the flashback too it's like this really eerie looking dude and it's like, oh, it's just a fucking cardboard guy. <laughs> like, and he's like, like floating outside of the window. I was like, yeah, that was pretty fucking cool. There's just a lot of cool touches. Like it was just, yeah, yeah. I, I there was definitely a lot. It felt definitely like influenced by Brazil. I thought, especially with like the first scene when the when the police just like crash in through the ceiling when they're arresting that guy. Yeah, you're right. I was yeah, like, yeah, that is yeah. just like Brazil. And then the scene, all of like the jetpack scene, which is like all this like slapstick stuff. Of them, I thought like, that was floating. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so bizarre. And like, that's what this movie like feels a little beyond like just an action thriller movie is because it has those moments like that where like they're flying around that apartment and the woman's like, get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> apartment. And he's like, this scene where he's chasing his eyeballs down the... <laughs> <laughs> Mad funny, like, dude. damn like yeah i like when movies take time for like silly stuff in a serious narrative and like it blends well yeah i really like that stuff because i think it it made the action feel somewhat grounded like not always but those scenes especially like the jetpack scene made me think like you know okay this is probably like recent technology because it's just like they don't seem to be able to use it that well, you know. They still they seem to be still like figuring yeah. it out. So it yeah. definitely like fits that same idea of like, you know, the um the pre crime facility was open like a few years ago. It's like you can imagine that they're in this sort of like transition period where people are like yeah. getting used to it. Especially with the fact that it's like only DC has this stuff right now. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're testing it out. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was just like good good world building and fun. And just like I think avoided the trap of some action movies where they're like you know afraid to get kind of goofy with it if it is a goofy scene. Yeah, because then I feel like you. I feel like also when you introduce that goofiness to it, if something looks not quite perfect or like clumsy, it fits the tone. Whereas like when you go for that really serious, really like life or death tone, it's like if this doesn't look um, convincing. Or, or if it doesn't look like real, like it has to look like beyond real fighting. Cause like if two guys are hooked up to the same jetpack, it's gonna be like a vaudevillian, like just like Three Stooges situation, like really. Yeah. And I think if you have anything that looks Three Stooges, like when you're going for a serious tone is gonna really like, it's just gonna be a harder sell and like much more difficult production wise, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's totally possible if they like try to do it, you know, try to do it seriously and then realize like, okay, we can only make this look so realistic and then like leaned into that yeah. and made it fit you know yeah um, 
And I also really liked, especially in that scene, how, you know, his friend was one of the cops trying to catch him. Yeah. And he just really didn't want to. You know, it wasn't yeah. like, I feel like in, in maybe like, I don't know, like uh, some of the Marvel movies or something, or just any like blockbuster um, action movies, you'll often see like, you know, they switch sides and suddenly they just like hate each other. You yeah. Know? It's like, oh, we're going to take you in. But it wasn't that at all. He just like really didn't want to have to fight him. And then even when like they're fighting up on the fire escape, um, yeah, yeah. And he knocks his friend, and he's like holding on. He's like, "You got a, you got a good grip. You got a good yeah, grip." Yeah, yeah. And I then love he keeps that. moving. I thought that was a great, great scene. Yeah, just putting yeah. Little, little character moments in the action. I think works really yep. well. Yeah, that kind of thing that like keeps with the momentum of the scene, but like characterizes someone so well too is like is is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think a lot of the effects actually for 2002 were not that bad, um, especially with the first computer scene where he's like wiggling around with his fingers and stuff. I was like, that, that actually was good. good. I guess I'm mostly thinking of like the car thing where he was like, yeah, moving. I was just going to say. Yeah. 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 But some of it was good. Yeah. I thought the whole pre-crime facility looks great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the, the set design, for the, especially for the pre-crime facility was really good. Be interested to read like the script for this, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there. You can get most scripts. Yeah, there was that one. The guard at the prison. I was wondering if like he was a bigger character before a rewrite, maybe. Like, because just the way that his um actor was playing him was like so characterized. I was like, I wonder like what this is supposed to be. I almost like wasn't sure. He had didn't he have kind of like a weird accent or something? Yeah, I mean he was just like tapped. Like he was playing fucking yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> It was like organ music or something for the inmates. Yeah. And I actually, mean, he, he didn't he wander over to his desk and there was like a hot plate? <laughs> yeah, he's just like <laughs> clicking up. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Mad funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought it was fun. I, I felt like it, the tone was pretty consistent that it was like sort of ridiculous yeah. in a believable way. Yeah. Yeah, there were, um, I'm trying to think. I don't know, actually. I, I was trying to think of like scenes that I thought could be different and I'm really not thinking. Uh, I did think it was kind of weird that the like botanist woman just seemed to like so freely give out information. I was confused by that. Yeah, I mean, I think it seemed like she was not happy with what was going on with the precogs. So it kind of makes sense that she would just be like, all right, if you can stop it, like, here you go. Yeah, she definitely seemed like very cynical for someone with that kind of a motivation, though. I was like, okay, you're wasting a little bit of time just like making all these fucking one liners. Yeah. And, <laughs> and stuff. I mean, she definitely was an interesting character, though. I thought that was so funny that, like, she just spends all these all this time, like, genetically modifying plants for some reason. But, yeah. like, it is cool. But I actually really liked the, um <laughs> like, fake commercial that they had in the beginning about, like, trying to sell the pre-crime thing. Yeah. And, like, all it, it looked, like, so accurate to that time. It reminded me of, like, the ads that would play on the rented VHSs I would get from, like, Hollywood Video and Video Horizon. I was like, damn, they nailed it. Yeah, no, it totally worked. I liked I liked a lot how um, the, like, that even the actual product placement was, like, used for the story. Yeah, really well. There, yeah. there was that scene where he has just escaped and, like, all the ads are using his name. Yeah. Yeah, that and was like cool. that was really sick, and it shows like the influence um, that like pre-crime facility has. And like when it started off, it was like I don't know if it was a Lexus ad or something, and it only started off with like the ad, and I was like, wow, that's some kind of annoying yeah. product placement. And then they said his name, and I was like, all right, that's cool. 
that's cool. yeah yeah i thought that was great that he's just walking through this hall that's like shouting his name yeah <laughs> i thought that was really cool yeah um i think just a lot of the like art design too is cool i really liked the the way that the like it's so um like so showy and when you think about it like very inefficient but like all the i love that the names come out on the balls like these beautiful like dark red yeah. wooden balls like definitely like completely inefficient but like feels really cool and and so like um what the hell is the word ominous it's like so ominous when the ball just like turns around and you see the it's 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 cool i really like yeah it. I just, no i like that too i i think it was a cool it, it was a cool mix of like you know technology and then just like weird spiritual shit that they didn't really understand and like trying to make those things work together so i think the wooden balls are like a great like bridging point between that where they're like they're a cog in the machine but it's just like a fucking engraved wooden ball like perfect wooden ball yeah feels bizarre yeah and like the idea of when they first started the precog unit and murder was 90 percent higher and there's just thousands of balls popping out (laughs) 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 just that thought (laughs) Yeah, um, I really like the design of like the the pool that they had them in, just like that weird, like just bizarre, like just absolutely just bizarre situation that they're just like half floating in this weird liquid and can't see anything in front of them, and like are, yeah, like, from so- from the start, just seeing that facility sets the tone super well. There's all yeah. these little elements, like there's something really off about all of it, like something yeah. very un- unnatural, like trying to contain this like this force that they don't understand and like use it in a machine i think that's pretty sick um oh i really liked um tom cruise's apartment and just it was like always raining when he was in there and just the (laughs) rain on the fucking windows just looked so good like it just looked so good fits that tone so well another nor callback obviously um yeah but just like and the tech in there too it's this again it's this weird mix of like really futuristic and like kind of clunky yeah like it's not quite at the most efficient it could be yet it's kind of like learning yeah yeah Yeah. and the whole the whole world was consistent with that that it was this like in between phase yeah like it was really cool yeah i like that a lot i liked that um it had a really cool idea with like the, the the precogs and that whole just like theme of like you know uh, of the that like idea it presents of like stopping a crime before it happens and like especially with like crimes of passion are treated differently too but i like that the precogs weren't just like this idea that was kind of cool and then like the story kind of just went without it like in every part of the movie the precogs are being used for something like the in the you know first part they're just like doing their normal thing and they're introduced and then he steals her from the facility and she's like directing him around with her with her senses or whatever and then in the in the near the end of the movie i like that it's revealed how they how the like antagonist used the idea of the echo to make it look like it was like i was like ah that's yeah it's cool that they keep consistently coming up with new fresh ways to like make it interesting and make it like applicable to the story too every time i agree yeah and i i wonder if the idea of the echo, I was thinking about this, that it's like with a lot of sci-fi um, movies, they'll come up, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but they'll come up with some idea and, you know, there's always a way where somebody can come up with a plot hole and be like, well, that doesn't make sense because somebody could do this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like instead with this one, they figured out what that like plot hole would be and use yep. that in the story. 
So yeah. that, that was really clever. Yeah. I, I think sci-fi is like just best kept relatively vague or like based off its own system. Like yeah. I, I, you know, it's silly to try and like make your own sci-fi thing. And then like, you literally have to like invent how that would work like that. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's like just explaining it, get, hitting that perfect mark where you explain it like just enough that it feels sciency and like real, but it, it's still a little magical. Like I like that magical aspect of, of sci-fi and like good works. Yeah. And I, th- I think this did that super well. Um, yeah. Like they really leaned into that because half of it is basically magic that they're just like, can see yeah, the future. Up, absolutely. and yeah. Um, yeah, I think they were very, they were very wary of that. Um, and I think they really hit the nail on the head. Like it, it was just right in between, you know, like clearly it doesn't like make sense with our understanding of reality, but it, you know, it doesn't have, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, no, the- it doesn't have to, cause it's a movie. Um, yeah. And I think some movies try to make it make sense with our reality. And then it just makes even less sense. Yeah. Like you end up just building up like a whole world and then you just like forget that you're making your movie and then it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. I wrote this 500 page backstory for my 110 page script yeah <laughs> one one moment that i wanted to highlight in minority report is that there are, there's a moment where um the pre-crime uh police look at the timer and they say we've got 51 minutes and 30 seconds and i paused it when that happened and it's the exact time until the um credits start that's sick yeah I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, all right, let's see. Let's just see. Let's check it out. That's it cool. seemed like very specific. I'm like, let's see what happens. Um, and they did it. Like, right when, it, like when it's zooming out of the island, right when that stops, if it goes to like the full credits, that's when it's... Was anyone um, actually in frame speaking that line, or was it dubbed? I don't know. It was probably dubbed. If it was dubbed, still cool. But also, like, I mean, uh, it must have been dubbed. If it was framed, dude, <laughs> that would <laughs> that'd be impressive. They just do reshoots every edit. Yeah, <laughs> Minority Report spends ten million dollars on one line. <laughs> it was worth it. It was sick. Definitely. Um, question for you: Why do they call it? Why did they call them Minority Reports? I feel like they said it, and I was like, "Wait, why is it called that?" Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, it was supposed to be like the small percentage of people who they were wrong about. And I was like, that seems like maybe a good name if you're trying to publicize the fact that your system isn't completely competent, but you're not. So why would you name it that? Yeah, I don't know. know. It just seems like a clunky way to say it too. You know what I mean? MR, where's my minority report? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's a sick title, but I was like, "Eh, I don't know. It is definitely one of those titles that kind of is like, oh, I wonder what that is. Yeah, and they just kind of were like, all right, I guess that's what that's called then. And I was like, All right. it was so funny in the scene with the botanist, they were saying the name so many times. And I was like, okay, I'm like lenient with that because I know it is kind of a meme, but also like if it is a legitimate thing in the story, I'm not going to be one of those guys. It's like, oh, they said it. <laughs> but they yeah. said it five times. And I was like, okay. Just to make sure. I think at the end of the scene, she literally says something along the lines of like, you go and get that minority report. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the reveal with who like the bad guy was that he I felt like it was pretty well paced because I feel like you don't really suspect it up until that scene that much uh, yeah I didn't at all I it yeah, just I didn't, didn't even really... cross my mind and I feel like that moment where he's like like do you hear that 
<laughs> I was like, because I've seen oh, other yeah, movies yeah. Where, like you hear that it's nothing thing, and it's usually like a lead into a speech or something like that. And then he's just like, no, <laughs> nobody's coming to save you. And then he just shoots him. I was like, yeah. It's also edited really well too. I like that they give it like that little pause before Colin Farrell's squid goes off, and you're just looking at him, and you're like, oh, this dude's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that scene was excellent. Um, I love when movies fool me. I love that more than anything else. Because there's so many times where a movie will have a twist and like it'll just use the same tropes and conventions as every other movie with a twist. You see it coming a mile away. This one, absolutely not. I completely they if anything, they use the tropes to like lead you away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought Colin Farrell's character was almost like a little too on the nose. But then yeah. you see in that scene, he's like, okay, no, he's like, he actually took a step back after that. It was like, wait, why would there be a pile of pictures here? You know, I think that's, that's really cool. And that he didn't, he didn't mistrust um, the director either. He was just like, oh, I got to bring this to him. I feel like it was a good idea having the director like not be in too many scenes before that too. Because it does, yeah. he does have, he still has like a presence, but it doesn't feel like, it's not that like Scooby-Doo effect where it's like, okay, the bad guy's one of these people, and the cast for today is the Scooby-Doo crew and one extra person. Yeah. Who could it <laughs> right, exactly. It's like you kind of forget about him being around until that happens, and it's like, oh, damn, there you go. Yeah, and I feel like usually those kind of characters that are, like, good and then become evil, they usually do the reveal, like, before the scene where they reveal it to the characters. You know what I mean? Like, they'll say something nice and then the person will like leave the room and it'll like zoom in on them and the dark music will come in yeah 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 like, oh, they're evil and then the next scene happens oh no but i really liked how through the course of that scene i was like wait okay so he's not actually trying to fuck with him like who and then you just like slowly figure it out through the scene and they did it super like, well like it was written diaries. so well it's just like princess diaries too <laughs> yeah i bet they okay. reveal a bad guy in the first scene that's genius because it's like you know it really gives it time to breathe. Yeah, because then you get to to view him through that lens the whole time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, I feel like I had more to say about it, but I, I really just feel like it's one of those movies that kind of like reached, but didn't reach too far. So it's like forgivable for some things that I don't find that good just because like it's, doesn't feel like it's trying to be anything like huge. Like it doesn't feel like it's trying to make huge statements. It's just like, there's a cool idea that you can ruminate on it doesn't delve too, too deep into it, but like it's very entertaining the whole way through pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was just like what it was, like just a very well put together action, neo-noir, cyberpunk movie. I feel like all the choices just like led to that. Like it's just a fully realized, really good like adventure movie in a lot of ways, like detective movie. Um, and I love shit like that. Like, uh, you know, it sometimes... I feel like big blockbusters try to go too big and then it's just like, all right, like it, like you almost did something. Um, like for instance, Thanos, almost interesting. I just think he should have <laughs> So had, close. Like, he, he, I think Thanos's character consistency was really interesting and like what they tried to do with him was interesting. I think the only thing that really like ruined it for me was that he just didn't have that good of a philosophy right like, yeah half the universe has to die because there's like not enough resources it's like what, what, on what numbers like based off what numbers <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly planet. half like, there were too many people on your planet then like that's right <laughs> right, right. Out of planets. 
yeah, yeah. It, it really did yeah but this yeah. was just like it had some interesting ideas but didn't try to be too smart about them um just kind of presented them in a cool way it worked super well for the plot um yeah, it was just genuinely surprising it was a lot of fun i just i was really having a good time the whole time i watched that movie like there wasn't really any moments like there is sometimes with big blockbusters where i'm like uh like one of those moments it was just yeah, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of eye rolling yeah exactly it was just like knew what it was it didn't rely on like too many you know old tropes like it used you know noir tropes as inspiration but um yeah it was just a just a, a fine blockbuster yeah i wish we saw more shit like that now to be honest like Raiders little fucking lost arc bro and like this movie yeah, yeah it's superheroes like, nothing yeah just trying to make like good good action movies and not trying to like i don't know i don't know what changed uh, it'd be something to look into but i don't know what changed i just like disney reboots, bought fucking everything yeah that but like reboots are also just like so lucrative and like a guaranteed hit yeah and like, as much as i want to act like that's like the soulless corporations it's like people pay to watch it so like fuck it yeah i do wonder if some of it some of the tactics um are just like to keep people going to the theaters like just trying to make movies that'll grab yes. people because like you know attendance has steadily been plummeting yeah 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 it's a bummer yeah Although there are still good ones, like the recent Mission Impossible movie, the Mission Impossible Fallout. It was like one of my favorite movies of that year. I thought it was yeah, excellent. It was really good. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're out there. It's just not the norm. Yeah, it's, it's like there's no new, I, there's not a lot of new IPs getting that treatment. Yeah. Like, it's like, it, like I don't understand. I think we're beating a dead horse on this a little bit because I think it's something that's been said a lot, but it's just like... Yeah, of course. It really does seem interesting that, like, so often it's been proven that just finding one experienced director with a vision and letting them, you know, stick them to a schedule, but, like, a schedule that makes sense with the budget you're giving them and the freedom that you're giving them and, like, like don't rewrite the script, like, six times and then be surprised when your movie the budget goes up like $20 million. It's like, right. And then they're like, no, go ahead. No, just in the fact that like, it's getting like written by like five people. And it's just like, especially if they're like, you know, the, the writing equivalent of like a studio musician. It's like, I mean, I, I obviously studio musicians are awesome, but like with a song like that, if you're a studio musician, you can like get in the beat, do something really great for this five minute song with a, with a hour and a half to two hour movie with this huge script and you're probably writing other stuff too. Like, you know, you're just popping in, writing what you think is okay. And then like maybe doing a couple other drafts and then like shipping it back out. And then it's like, yeah. And plus like this recent trend of, uh, firing directors halfway through, dude, yeah. that is unfathomable to me. That is just like insane to me. I don't know if that started with like Disney slash Marvel. It's the first time I saw it pop up. Um, it just shows how fucking soulless that is. It's just like, let's fucking churn it out. Let's get half the scenes are one director, half the scenes are another. There's no vision. It's just yeah. fucking yeah. executive created content. Some of them are fun, but you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who's like, fuck all Marvel movies because I enjoy yeah. some of them. No. But you know, overall, it's just, it, it's sad to see. I was very excited for um, the new Doctor Strange because the director was talking about it and was like, yeah, I'm trying to do like a straight up horror movie. Like not like, oh, like a little bit of horror elements, like a Doctor Strange horror movie. And then they just fired him a couple months ago. And it's like, oh, okay. It was, it was too different and they had to fire him, you know? That's something that's like, what happens at the pitch meeting? Like what happens when the studio right. exec 
hear this guy say like this is my plan they say yes and then when he sticks to that plan they're like oh i thought you meant maybe like a different version of that plan they probably are just used to like being able to strong arm directors my guess like i don't know any of the fucking inner workings obviously but my guess would be that like you know he starts to do his thing and they're like oh why don't you make this change and he's like no i'm not gonna do that yeah yeah that's how that's um it's like the same thing with the star wars trilogy is like it's just so disgusting that like the first one was dude jj abrams just makes like water like he just makes like water movies it's just like he makes seltzer movies in my opinion (laughs) i will disagree not even at that level it's just so like there's there's nothing and then like the first star wars was like fine i would never watch it again the second one was not good but like yeah. tried like yeah. they tried something different and then for the third one they were like nobody liked that it was too different bring back jj and then jj made like the most water cookie cutter <laughs> bullshit i've ever seen it was so bad i still have not seen that movie i've been meaning to but like you could only rent it for like 12 dollars, and i'm not gonna do that yeah. or like yeah, get I've disney seen- plus and i'm not gonna do that i've seen it and i don't even feel like i've seen it <laughs> yeah i feel you that's kind of how i felt with um the last jedi there was like so little that i actually retained it was just like oh here it is and then it's gone okay yeah, i feel like i remember a good amount of the last jedi because like we talked about it for like 40 minutes outside yeah. the theater afterwards <laughs> just, yeah like, i remembered the worst of it for sure oh yeah it was like it was bad yeah 100 percent bad yeah it sucked but like the fact that the guy was like all right uh you know I'm director now. I'm not going to do what J.J. Abrams did because, you know, he was a director. He's not me, so I'm going to do my thing. And then I think a lot of studio interference, like, ruined it. I, I think that also, like... And there's a I, lot of core bad ideas in that movie, too. There, there were, yeah. There was just a lot of stuff that didn't make sense. Yeah. But it is interesting that that guy is actually, like, a pretty accomplished director. And, like, he's made some... Yeah, movies. Ryan Johnson is, is pretty great for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, that movie sucked, though yeah but like but again it's like at least it wasn't a complete freaking remake like the like the two bookending it are just remakes right like so many people say the force awakens is better than the last jedi and it's just like it's just new hope like it's just the exact same thing i remember sitting in the theater and i I was like it is different i wouldn't say it's exact it follows a lot of the same beats but it's i think very different in a lot of ways mostly because ray just is immediately good yeah she sucks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Luke fails sometimes, but Ray doesn't. Yeah, and Luke fails. I don't know. I feel like Ray only ever fails for reasons that are like completely outside of her control, and she very rarely fails. Yeah. Yeah, so you get this whole training montage in The Last Jedi that is like the same thing as Yoda. Like Luke is telling telling Ray the same stuff Yoda told her him back before. Spoilers. He... Oh yeah, true. I mean, I, I assumed, but <laughs> But, but I want to be disappointed uh, on my own terms, you know? I don't know. This is still Last Jedi. No, but you just said Luke said to Rey yeah. what Yoda said to... Oh, you mean in, in... In The Last Jedi, when she's, like, training with him. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, and he's, like... I was flipping, like, Return of the Jedi in my head, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is actually reminding me I need to rewatch these movies, but... yeah. Anyway, yeah, and then and then Luke, his whole thing is like, no, I'm ready. I have to go now. And then like he fails because he's obviously not ready. Ray says the same thing, and then she's like, oh, I guess I was right. And <laughs> and to add insult to injury, Yoda comes back as that Force Ghost puppet, 
and is like, yeah, Luke, you need to realize that like sometimes oh, it's yeah. not always about being ready. And it's like, what? Yeah. It's the opposite of what you said. It just never, because it wasn't like Yoda was proven wrong either. You know what I no, mean? Yeah, he was, he was right. Because right. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't like, ready. If you leave now, you're going to lose. Luke was like, we'll find out. And then Yoda was right. And then Ray was like, we'll find out. And then Yoda was like, yeah, Luke, should have went. Obviously, you'll find out. And it was good. So shut up, Luke. (laughs) It's just so much less interesting. And, you know, I've seen people defend it in the terms of like, you know, oh, well, you know, male nerds just don't like strong female protagonists. We're going to have to delete this part. No, I'm going. I'm editing it. I'm keeping this shit. No, but, you know, and maybe some people are like that, but for me, at least, it's like, it'd be much better to give the female character, like, an interesting arc than just be like, she doesn't have to earn anything, and she's just all-powerful. In some ways, it's, like, condescending, in my view. It's like, give her something interesting and something to fight for, and don't just, like, hand her a bunch of shit, and she's always right, because that's not fun. Especially when she's, like, a snot-nosed brat, and it's like she never even has to evolve out of that. Right, right. There's no arc. I mean, I haven't seen that last movie, but Luke has a very definite arc, and has has an internal uh, need that he learns as he goes and like yeah. i don't know what's raised just like be strong and powerful yeah people some people complain about luke having like too much of a power jump from the fifth movie to the sixth movie um which i kind of agree with but i also think that like luke in the sixth movie is a lot more like no nonsense and like meaner which i think is like the whole point of the sixth movie is that like by the end of it he realizes that he's like turning into Darth vader right. in the same way He's like, oh, I actually can be more powerful if I disregard life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, right. Like, the anger does give him power. Yeah. And that's something that he ultimately fights against. And that's super interesting. It's like, it's showing him being pulled by the dark side and, like, seeing how how it does affect his powers. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, so I'm kind of talking out my ass, but the way that that you're describing it, that's what I'm basing it off of. Yeah, I... I'm trying to remember too, because it's been like more than a decade since I watched any of the original trilogy. I really want to rewatch them, just because yeah. I have talked talked so much smack on the new ones that I want to like make sure that the old ones don't suck too. I mean, you know, they probably have their, <laughs> their stuff, but yeah, yeah, um, it's, yeah. we should <laughs> get back on track though, because we have like thir- we have like 35 minutes. Should we talk about the fucking Wicker Man? Wicker Man. Wicker Man, yes. So, okay, hold on. Minority Report out of 10. I think I would give it a solid 6.5 to a 7. 7.5 for me. Cool. Yeah. Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Um, So, great. I guess that was really good. can be interesting. (laughs) You got me. You got me there. This is the first musical I've ever enjoyed. <laughs> I actually did think about that at the end. I was like, damn, there's been a song like every 15 minutes in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about it until you said that. But yeah, no, it works super well. Um, that one I watched on Wednesday. So I'm just checking, took a few notes I want to look at. Uh, I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was really yeah. cool. Yeah, I definitely could see a lot of influence that came out of that movie. I think especially with like what we're seeing now. With um, Midsummer, especially. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, I kept, holy shit. I kept thinking about that movie the whole time. Like, Ari Aster must fucking love Wicker Man. Yeah. He's got to love it. Because the it, the plot is sort of like, it's not exactly the same. Um, like, Ari Aster definitely did his, his own thing. 
And just to yeah. clear the clear clear the record, I fucking oh, love geez. Midsummer. <laughs> That's like a Nothing at least is. at least a nine out of ten for me. It's a great movie. Um, but yeah, very clear influence. Um, you know, just the idea of like an outsider coming into this community um, and them like not trying to hide it from them. I loved that. I was which bring is that really up. cool. Um, which is something I loved about Midsummer too, is that like, they just do their thing and sort of try to like, I think more so in Midsummer they try to like gaslight her into thinking that it is, that she should be okay with it. Um, in this, they were like, they sort of did that, but not to the same extent, I don't think. But that's just because like, obviously their motives were different. Like they wanted to like brainwash her. They want to sacrifice him. So it is a very, obviously very different plots, but similar structure. Um, but yeah, like just very upfront about how bizarre they are. Yeah, so that he can't I, I feel was... like he's uncovering anything. And he feels like it's all upfront, but really there is this plot underneath. Yeah. Which is very clever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it, it was funny how like the like willful giving of some information ends up actually like clouding the trail that he's following. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like it, it seems like for the first like 15 20 minutes like it, it is going to be like this um like difficulty of like trying to unveil the truth and like what's going on like what are these people doing but it's just like <laughs> i mean you kind of see like obviously a little bit of that disregard in the scene where he just walks out of the inn and there's like 10 people fucking yeah. <laughs> in the street that was great because it definitely yeah. did subvert my expectations too because i felt the same way um i was like okay so it's one of those things where it's like you know, the outsider cop comes into a small town with like a lot of secrets and he's got to slowly uncover it, which is something I love. And I was like, when it yeah. was that, I was like really excited to see one of those because I, yeah. I just love that. There's this game yeah. Puzzle Agent that I played years ago that does that super well. Um, I was going to toss that out there. But Puzzle Agent. Yeah. A lot of, it was like a Telltale game. Um, R.I.P. They're like back though. I don't know. Yeah. I'm holding my breath, but I am excited for that. Hopefully. But anyway, yeah, I um, yeah, I love the way it kind of evolved and like didn't really play into exactly what you thought it was going to be. Because like, if it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, I would have been fine with that too. Because I just like a good mystery. But like, yeah, it really felt like I feel like the scene that it all shifts is the like this. I love the schoolhouse scene. Yeah, (laughs) when he's like grilling them. So funny. that that tone really like shifts though when like you realize like he thinks that they're lying and like by his definition they are like because you're also like on his side it feels like they're all lying and he's like uncovering this this truth that they've been hiding from him but then like it really does such a cool way of like not only shifting the tone to a much much weirder one but also like kind of bringing in that cool like thematic that like philosophical idea of like well they don't really to them they're not lying like they right. don't they don't think they're lying to this guy and like it's just cool that i don't know that whole scene there's so much that i like about it especially to that like weird ass like bug in the desk yeah just yeah. like going around like the the nail like it's a maple yeah it was like what the what <laughs> yeah no it was, it's cool because it's like the thing cool. with that scene though is that they are lying to him because she's not dead and they're not even planning to kill her. So it's like they're lying to him in a way that they, that he doesn't think they are. Like he yeah. thinks he, he thinks they're lying to him in one way, but they're really lying to him in another way. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you what do you feel about the whole idea that it was like all this grand scheme to like just get him? I think it was. No, no, no. I think it definitely was. 
I just like wasn't sure how I actually felt about that. I was like, uh, it makes it seem a little more convoluted than I originally like thought it was. But I think I think that's the point. I really liked that because the point, you know, like like we were saying, like the town is very upfront about how bizarre they are, and so he thinks it's like pretty straightforward in this weird way. But that it all flips for him um, and for us, you know, at the same time. I, I like that. That it really does. It was another movie that really surprised me, um, and the twist. Like, I think when, when he, like, ran to the girl and she's like, oh, follow me. I was like, that seems off. Like, this, yeah. I, at first I was like, okay, this performance, maybe she's just, like, a shitty child actor. Yeah. But then yeah. they come out and that worked for the character. That she's just, like, this little girl, like, trying to fool him. You know, she's not, like, yeah. acting. She's not an actor, you know. And he just believes it because he's so convinced at that point. Yeah, I, I did think it was, I think it just, like, <clears throat> kind of, like, empirically makes the whole thing feel a little convoluted in that, like, there's so many ways that the plan could have failed in that respect. Like, the, the I feel like at the end what they said that they were, like, testing him to make sure that he was, like, the righteous guy like they needed to sacrifice like with her like tempting him and he doesn't and um him like i was like it works really well for that but then in scenes like where they light that candle and then like are all sure that he's gonna knock the guy out and dress up as the fool and then be the fool at the ceremony is like how did you how'd you plan that like <laughs> like i, I don't yeah, know about i mean what uh, I, I think i think that was i liked that because i mean uh, it seemed like they had him so convinced that they were basically he just like accepted at face value that they thought a, like a candle in a hand would not come out but like there's obviously there's no reason why it would but he's like oh there's got to be something but the way i saw it in context of the ending is that they literally just like put this weird thing in the room so that he'd go knock out the guy who they you know also decided was gonna be planted in that room looking away from him so i, I can see like it, yeah it still does definitely depend like maybe he could have just gone out the front door and said but it still made sense to an extent for me because I was like, I, what are the odds that he's like looking away and doesn't hear him coming? And then it makes yeah, sense. Like, okay. That to me is not the part, like the him staging it so that he's easily like attacked is not the weird part for me. It's just the, like, if we put the candlestick in the room, like he'll use that to come attack me, which then I'll then faint. And then I'll be that. I was like, okay, that's a little, that's a little too many variables for me to find believable. But I thought thematically it worked really well in that like what he as like that really faithful like lawful good christian character like what he thought was like saving him the whole time was convincing them that he was the perfect sacrifice right which I was like sick because it was like all you needed to do was just it was just like fuck that girl and they would have been like oh, right <laughs> right <laughs> right and the fact that he did stay like quote-unquote pure is what fucked him over in the end yeah and i really like that um i don't know that scene works for me because i think it just shows how how uh, how effectively they have manipulated him by that point it's like a point just I, i think it's just to show that like he is completely within their control and yeah like okay like might not happen in real life but i think i think it works home to like it works to hammer home the point that he was just completely in their control like exactly thematically it works yeah which is all that really matters i think i think it matters more but i also think it it, thematic stuff hits harder when it feels like it lies in a a probable environment which is not to say but it didn't seem like that was impossible you know yeah just improbable for me but it's yeah i mean like it's not a huge complaint it's just like that that just got me thinking just because that part worked so well for so many other elements that that stuck out to me in that it didn't feel completely 
um, realistic, but like yeah, that's the, fair. the fact that he like dresses up as the fool, like engages in the ceremony, like goes through that whole sword thing is great. I love that. Um, yeah, the whole thing is and the way that was filmed too. That like for him, I don't remember exactly what the shot was, but it was very like foreboding. Yeah, yeah, looking up through the the star of swords and stuff was, yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like a lot of the art direction too. I'm I like. I don't know why I like love masks in movies, but like especially oh, yeah. that kind of mask. Animal masks, dude, like disturbing animal masks. That's my shit. <clears throat> yeah. I love that. Two big thumbs up. Yeah. When like, they're all just like popping over the fucking like walls. Yeah. So sick. Yeah, especially in that last sequence when it's just like I kinda like that. That like I remember watching that, I was like, why would these people like so accurately at this moment pop over this wall in this weird sequence too? But I, I, I was like, it just like drives home that idea that it's like, he's so already screwed that like, it's just a game at this yeah, point. Right. And like, like it, it definitely feels like that too, where he's chasing the guy through the alleys who's dressed as the horse. And like, even, yeah, I love the part where he's searching through that house and he opens a cabinet and the girl falls out and you think it's going to be a development. And then she yes. just like laughs and runs away. Yeah, that was like, awesome. So good. It's great because I think the choices that they made become a lot more clear once you see the ending, where you can look back and you're like, okay, that's why they did that. Mm. Like, you can put the pieces together when you look back. And moments that seemed, like, unrealistic or off, um, like, I know what you're saying about the end scene, but the fact that he's just, like, turned away and doesn't hear him approaching, like, in the moment, I'm like, "Eh, that's not super believable. But then in context of the end, it's clear that he was pretending. And so it's like, it's clear that it was a choice for it to look like it wasn't believable, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also love the, like, way that... Uh, I love the scene when he's uh, they're digging up the girl's body and it's just the rabbit. That was great. And then, like, and it's, like, the guy who's been helping him dig, like, presumably for hours. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, just, like, doing, like, subjecting himself to, like, heavy manual labor just for this joke, for this, like, moment that's going to ruin this guy's day. It's yeah. Like, I thought that was great. Yeah, I like that they're just all having fun with it, like, the whole time, just, like, fucking with him. Yeah, I um, I also liked at the end when the main character's, like, kind of been had, and he has that moment where, like, he strikes out at the Lord Summer's Isle or whatever, and he's like, next year they're going to have to eat you because you're the only one that's going to be good enough. And I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> good shot, actually. Like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, I feel like that was really the only moment in pretty much the whole movie that he actually like had the one up on somebody for a moment. Um, yeah, that's true. But then, and in, in the end, doesn't matter. He's dead. You know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But you are right. Yeah. No, I like that moment a lot. Yeah, but I did. I did feel like throughout the movie there is like like with that Lord Summersile character, like it's it's kind of like murky as to whether or not he really is like believing what he's teaching or like feels like he's more of a puppet master role. But like, it's kind of like both. But I feel like in that scene yeah. when he kind of like, like when he gets basically like fucked over by the main character, because I do feel like that was such a good shot to be like, you know, next year they're going to need somebody even more powerful and you're the only one there, so... Right, planting that seed, yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, the crops will not fail. And, like, that's the only retort he has for that. And it's like, okay, yeah, like, he actually might be fucked. Right, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but... Yeah, yeah. no, I like that. And, yeah, I I think it was... 
I like that it was ambiguous whether or not he does actually believe it. I could see it, like when you said that, I could definitely see it in the sense of like trying to manipulate um, our main character. I need to write down character names, honestly. Yeah. Um, just to make this less <laughs> terrible. But um, yeah, like the, the, the plan to like orchestrate this whole thing to get the main character. I wonder if that was like Lord Samurai getting, you know, he's like, okay, I already like manipulated this whole town. And he wants to like make it bigger, you know, like do more with it. Yeah. I wonder if that was part of it. Yeah. Or if he I think thinks, that could make sense with this character. Yeah. Or if he's already thinking about like him possibly getting sacrificed and then like staving it off for another year, like who knows? Yeah, that's definitely true. But yeah, yeah. I even like that they gave him a backstory, but they didn't even feel like that backstory really like cemented whether or not he was uh, that role or not like it was just like okay we have something but then the way that he presents the backstory too is really interesting that like his grandfather was like he, he says he views him as like a crook that only wanted to like exploit the island but like who knows if that's true or if it's like pr you know right yeah yeah no i, I did like that that character remained mysterious through a lot of it, through pretty much all of it. Um, yeah, and I liked that. I liked the reveal of the Wicker Man at the end and how it's just like not explained like what or why that is. <laughs> but it's yeah. just like this huge fucking thing. And it's just, it's just a moment of like, it's just like super unsettling. It's like you're not expecting it because you think, or like, I mean, I, I saw the fucking Netflix thing so i did expect it but the character yeah. isn't expecting this thing he walks up the hill to see this huge fucking wicker Guy. man yeah he's like he already knows that he had no idea what was going on but now he really fucking knows doesn't know what's going on you know yeah. like this is a whole other part of the ritual and he has no clue yeah and like just putting the pieces together that he's gonna get burned in it and like it's just yeah. like such a huge thing to like add on to what he's already going through you know yeah it's like it's huge just like foreboding only, figure he's like not only fucked he's just like really fucked <laughs> yeah yeah and i love the like shouting match that they have at the end too with the singing the that pagan song <laughs> yeah he's just like trying to pray but then like can't he's like oh my god i'm just dead yeah let <laughs> me just watch him die yeah, brutal. That was a really good scene. Um, what did you think of like the the religious themes? I was trying to like, I I don't quite know what the angle is. Like, yeah, I um, what I kind of got from it. Actually, no, go ahead because I was asking. I don't know. I feel like it was hopefully going for a little more than like, uh, are we really any different than the savages kind of thing? Because I do feel like it it definitely touched on that like a lot but i feel like if that is the the idea they were going for then like it really was like beating a dead horse by the end of it because it's just like so obvious how he's like always bring bringing up that he's a christian and stuff right um i think it almost feels more like like it's just like a commentary on like the like how religion can be used like institutionally to like control and and like and just you know if it has to be like believed i think and like clearly people don't give a shit about like christian religion on this island but I, he's coming there as like an arm of the king basically being like you know this is the rule and like this is what goes on and they were like well no not not really yeah I, like not here yeah like almost feels kind of like a like i feel like it it, it it feels more layered than just any one thing because I feel like you could also view that in kind of like an like an anti-imperialism kind of way but yeah. then I also feel like it's not just being like you know people should 
it's not saying like all belief systems are the same necessarily in that way. I think it's also because like they have that little added on thing that like the, you know, even though the religion of the island has to do with like the old gods and stuff that were technically there like before, it was kind of like manufactured by like a plant, uh, like a fruit company. <laughs> right. Which I think is so cool because like that's what in an anti-imperialism like a narrative, usually Christianity is that religion that's seen as like the weapon of the colonizer. And in this instance, it's the native religion that's being used in that way. Yeah, I no, I agree. That is, I did, I, I liked that as well. Because um, it didn't, you know, it wasn't like making out, I think it was sort of making uh, making it out to make them both sort of look ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do sort of think it was like the, you know, Christianity isn't that different from like a cult sort of idea. But I think- yeah. I do think it was like a little, there was a little more than that. Um, like, I think it, it was interesting how they were aware that in the face of this strange pagan religion, he would cling more to his own religion and like go like, like fully retreat into his beliefs, um, which is then what dooms him in the end, you know, like that attitude of like, I will not be changed by these pagans. Yeah. That's exactly why they sacrifice him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it is just, like, playing with the power dynamics of of religion. Um, I agree. Yeah, like, institutionally or... It's cool because I think Lord Summer Isle, like... I think this idea lends more to the idea that he is just a puppet master, that he's, like, you know, he knows how to manipulate the people on the island, but also knows... He, like, uses those same skills to manipulate the protagonist, you know? Yeah. Like, thinking about it in that way, it, it makes more sense that it's, like, he uses some of the same tactics. Yeah, yeah. I think it also is kind of, like, um, definitely you get a feeling from, like, Lord Summer's Isle that, like, he's kind of like that. Like, he's been to the mainland and he took back, like, ideas that he would later like utilized to basically control this place. It's just like, you know, he clearly like knows more than the average goober on the island, I feel like. Yeah. And and I think that definitely comes through. I definitely feel like, especially given that like this came out in like 70s Britain and, you know, even judging by like some of the soundtrack, like there's that weird scene where he's chasing Rowan and there's like acid rock playing. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I was like, what? But regardless, I mean, that's kind of unrelated, but like just judging by the time that it came out in England with like the like late 60s, early 70s, kind of like anti-establishment stuff was huge. Oh, like, yeah. I'm guessing that like it probably was largely like anti not like anti-christian but like critical of christianity but i do think that like now that time has passed i think there is a little more being said about like not necessarily like christianity in general but just like that systematic like utilization of religion well i think i think even when it came out that would have come through because it avoids that trap, like we were saying, of like celebrating the paganism and instead just like showing that it's showing that it's the same, but like not in a way that's like, look, it's good too. Just being like, it's yeah. also terrible. So I think yeah. it was more about the, that idea of like having a small scale institution on the island versus a big scale institution uh, with Christianity. So I do think it's still there. I think I, I just think it holds up well. You know, I think it, it was ahead yeah, of its time so in a too. lot of ways. I think it also really rings true, like, especially now, even in the 2020s, with, like, the idea that, like, all these corporations and companies now are, like, selling, like, pride shirts and, like, oh yeah, you know, you know individual culture ideas is, like, so monetized now. 
like celebration yeah. of smaller cultures is so huge among companies and it's like it, like the fact that like the the idea is like his there's this guy like living in his really swanky castle like running this town and he's like giving the people back like their old culture and is like you're welcome like it's, yeah. it's yours like you know we beat back the institution and now we have our own freer institution and it's just yeah, like absolutely it, he's just aware it, of the dynamics yeah yeah i thought i think that that really makes it way more interesting than if it was just like just christianity which i think is probably what made it sell well back in the day if it did perform well but i think now with like the lens that you can look through now like it holds up just as well i think yeah no i agree i, th- I thought it was just and it was just super entertaining too from start yeah. to finish both yeah. these movies this was just a good week because i watched both these movies and i was just there wasn't really a part of me that like especially with last week there kept being moments where i'm like all right come on it was yeah. just like i was very much in these movies you know they weren't flawless by any means but Definitely not but they all made really good choices they were just interesting stories well put together um yeah yeah i think so I, yeah there's just a lot to lot to enjoy with them they're both enjoyable and somewhat thought-provoking yeah i think that's a good what else do you need a good midpoint to try to aim for a lot of the time yeah why not do you disagree no i 100 percent agree all right um we gotta wrap up unfortunately guys um it is bedtime it's officially eight eastern hey hey Hey, let's try to sleep well everyone should sleep well everybody should go to bed at 8 p.m circadian rhythms exactly um oh one more thing before we finish off there's this one series of shots that i fucking loved where they're doing the maypole and every time there was a gap in the music it would just cut to the top of the maypole yeah that was i love that so much because it just made it so just this maypole like looks so foreboding and like yeah that whole every time there was silence it's like all right back to the symbol you know yeah that was really sick yeah i I really like that i liked this i liked that like some of the most foreboding scenes in this movie took place in broad daylight. Yeah. Which I remember a lot of people praising about um, Midsummer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and like, yeah, just like, it's it's definitely weird up to that point. And like, especially with the orgy stuff, that is like obviously weird, but like almost like so obvious that it's like, you know, I mean, like it definitely, you know, registers as weird, but like, you can point to it and say what's weird with like the maypole scene, especially the school scene just feels really like ominous. Just feels yeah. like, like, uh Oh <laughs> yeah. And a lot like, of it is just how it's shot. I think that yeah. maypole sequence does so much in terms of shifting the tone, yeah. just making it really eerie and feeling off. Cause there's like those huge pauses in the music Yeah, and you're just looking yeah. at the maypole and you're like, what the fuck is going on? I really liked the, <laughs> in the schoolhouse when i came into the schoolhouse i was like oh here we go it's gonna be one of those like subtle but not really subtle exposition moments in a schoolhouse and then she's just like so what does the the maple represent a phallus and it's just like yeah it was like so on the nose that it fit super well with the tone 
exactly. Yeah, it was. I liked that they that they just like dove hard into that and like we're just like I feel like that adds kind of like an extra layer to it too. That it wasn't even it didn't even really seem to. I think that maybe audiences at the time, with it being early seventies, might have seen it as kind of like that celebrating the like sexual liberation. But I think it does that thing kind of like what like Brave New World does, which is just like you can be indoctrinated through systems that celebrate liberty and that's i haven't read that actually really good but i buy it yeah it's it's like the idea that like just because your institution is peddling individuality or like or like um exploration of like the self doesn't mean that you're not being institutionalized right and it's a tactic that a lot of cults use too yeah (laughs) yeah like you're freeing your mind as you're yeah, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I think yeah. given the time that's passed since that movie, I feel like it only feels like truer. Yeah. And like that to come out during like kind of like the throes of the counterculture movement, I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Definitely ahead of its time. And it definitely is like a nuanced movie. Um, you know, even it's not like super there's nuance without being up its own ass, you know? Yeah. 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 Even stuff like the Beatle thing which is like kind of on the nose weird but like cool like yeah it, and it worked it just yeah, works for that tone enough too that it's just like what what, what? <laughs> it's just yeah. like yeah it's, it's just cool because you're along the journey with um the protagonist a lot of the way too so it's you know when it's those moments that seem like really bizarre and on the nose it's like he's reacting to that in a way that's like yes you know yeah. it, he's it, like it adds to realism because he's like why would that fucking happen what are you doing yeah Yeah, that's the thing is like i love that they went that way with the character that he's just so lawful that it's like almost chaotic it's like yeah it's just like he's not like reserved or like contemplative like as soon as something comes up that challenges him he's like what yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) for god's sake speak english (laughs) yeah he's like can't even fathom it it's like so flabbergasted. I think there is one scene where where he's I think it's when he's talking with like the school teacher and she's like, Well, I wouldn't say so in like those terms and he's like, Then speak in normal terms yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. It's great. Yeah, he's just like gets more frustrated as he goes on because he's just like making less sense to him as it goes. Yeah, and I, I love that he really, like, never loses that. Because it, it does feel very, like, human and, like, realistic, too, that, like, especially this guy who is, like, used to common law and, like, used to enforcing the law and things being a very strict way. Like, he's not going to put up with stuff that is, like, bizarre. Like, he literally yeah. is, like, it's like, are you aware that people are, like, in the street, fornicating in the street? They're like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And he's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'll have them all arrested. (laughs) So good. Such a distinct character. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Great script for the most part too. I thought it was really funny. I was, I was laughing a lot. Yeah. 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 Good movie. Um, Yeah. We got to wrap up. But yeah, this was a good, this is a good week. A lot of fun with these movies. Um, This one, what's your, what's your rating out of 10? I think I would give it a 7.5. I think I give it an eight. Nice. Good ass movie. Yeah. Liked it a lot. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Talkie Talk. Next week. Thanks, guys. Do you have your uh, movie pick, Tyler? My pick is a Netflix original, which is always a mark of quality. Um, it's called The Platform. I've heard a bit about it. I'm sure we'll both have a lot to say about it. 
Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, my pick is uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, written and directed by Paul Schrader. Leonard Schrader also wrote it, who I probably his brother, I guess. Um, we were going to watch it for one of the weeks, but we didn't. Back in the day. Um, you, you still have Criterion, right, Tyler? I believe so, yes. All right. Yeah, it's streaming on Criterion if you want to follow along at home. All you guys out there at home <laughs> listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. Sleepy edition of Talkie Talk. Always gonna... fun. Always fun with more people. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Send us um, your thoughts on these movies. <laughs> Nate Vitale. And we'll totally take them into consideration. And it's really about the viewer. <laughs> That's why we do this, yeah. In the most unfriendly way to any third party. <laughs> oh, remember when that guy with the hat talked to, um, who was that lady? What? All right, well, you should have paid attention to my joke. Yeah, this was lost on me. I'm sorry. All right, well. Say it again. Wait, 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 wait. I think I get it. Say it again. We can give it to her. No, I mean, it's not a spur of the moment thing. I'll be you. Remember when that guy talked to that lady in the hat? Nice. Nate? Yep. Whoa. I remember. Wait, what? You can't see me? Okay, wait, hold on. I'm going to do it again because I don't think you heard. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do it Remember when that man talked to that lady in the hat? Yep. All right, we did it. Nice. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you next week.